Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Pastor Dave has asked me to share a bit of my testimony with you guys. So I'm sorry if this is a bit hard to follow because I really want to give you guys the full picture. All right, so this is, it's like a highlights reel, all right? This is a highlights reel of my testimony. So I'm sorry if I'm rushing a bit. I'm sorry if some things don't quite make sense. More than happy to answer your questions after the service. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm sure like many of us here, right, I was raised in church in a Christian family. You know, I went to, we went to church twice every Sunday, went to kids' church, served in kids' church when I grew out of it, went to youth, all that stuff. But see, when, when I was about eight years old, my parents split up, right? See, Dad took the breakup bad. Dad went on a path that was full of drugs, that was full of addiction, a path of destruction that led him to eventually become homeless, addicted, living on the streets in Brisbane. I mean, praise the God, praise the God, praise God. (laughs) Five years after that, he walked out of a church service in Brisbane City. A healed man, no longer addicted, restored in his faith, restored in his relationship with Jesus. And now 18 years later, he's he's got his own home. He's got a a lovely wife. He's got two little children. God's taken his life from complete ruin to fully restored, to, to just living as a godly man with a godly family in it. It's just, yeah. But see, around that time when, when they split up, mum moved us to a different church, to a church that was closer to where we lived. I think mainly so that we could have friends in our community that, you know, shared our faith and all that. But, and I don't, I don't know if it was the same for mum, but for, for us kids, we felt like we were the church's project, <laughs> right? There was another family there that were in, in a different but a similar situation who had recently come and their kids felt the same, that we were a project for the church. We were never actually part of their family, part of the community. We were just something they were fixing up, right? And by the time we were teenagers, this, this had affected us. You know, that amongst other things, we didn't want anything to do with church. Right, we still believed in God. We'd been raised in the ways of the Lord, so we knew He was real. We knew He loved us, but we thought the church had it wrong. Because how could the church be right if they talked about a God that was this way, but they acted this way? <laughs> so yeah, when I was about 15, I decided, you know, as soon as I can, I'm done with this church thing. And I did. I mean, from that point there, can I tell you, I started uh, skipping school. <laughs> my, my hope for the future sort of went away and I was more interested about the moment, what was fun in the moment, what I could do in the moment. My focus went from what I could do in the future to what can I do now. My focus shifted to partying on the weekends. My focus quickly became more about getting drunk or high than it did about anything else, Right? and everything else that came with that lifestyle. Which was a blessing in a way, because by the time I was 18, I was over the party lifestyle. 
And I, I decided that I was going to be successful, right? I was gonna be successful in the way of the world. I was gonna get the house, I was gonna get the car, I was gonna get the girl, I was gonna get the job. Right, and when, when it, so three weeks after I turned 16, I'm pretty sure it was, I sort of got expelled from school. <laughs> I did the whole, they're like, this is your last chance, or we're gonna expel you, and I'm like, you can't expel me, I quit sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, but driven by the fact that dad had been homeless, I had this work ethic that put me far above anyone else my age, right? And I started this apprenticeship. So by the time I was 21, right, I'd finished my apprenticeship. I was in charge of the floor of the shop I was working in. I'd bought my first house. I'd restored my first dream car. I was engaged to who I thought was the girl. But it was all empty. What I thought would fulfill my life, what I thought would fill me up, just left me feeling more and more empty. So, you know, I thought maybe it's money. I need more money. And I got a job offer for a job that paid a lot more, but it took me away. It meant I'd be home for only six weeks of the year. Which at the time seemed like a good thing because, you know, our relationship wasn't going so great. I thought space would be good. But, you know, two years later, <laughs> turns out space wasn't good. I'd just finished a job in Melbourne. And without even sleeping, I'd finished at two in the morning, went back, packed the car without even sleeping. I drove all the way back to Brisbane because I'd decided <coughs> that I was gonna break up with my fiance and there was no way I could sleep with that, right? But this drive, this isn't exclusive guys, I haven't shared this part of my testimony too much, this little bit here. <laughs> this drive I feel was so instrumental, so important because on this drive, for some reason I decided this was all God's fault which doesn't sound good, see, but, but what it led me to do is I started to cry out to God. And I'm just driving through like outback New South Wales somewhere, crying out to God, like, God, what do you want me to do? God, am I really that bad? God, why have you abandoned me? Why do you hate me, God? God, whatever it is, I will do it. God, where are you? I got back to Brisbane, split up with my fiance. Two days later, I was back on the road, back to work. See, before, before we broke up and everything, I'd already had a pretty bad drinking habit, right? I was, I was drinking four cartons a week and <laughs> pretty much if I wasn't at work, I wasn't sober. It was, it was the way I lived. And now without that tying me, I expanded my horizons to more than just alcohol. <laughs> Um, and just started seeking any way that I could to, to just escape from reality. And we sold the house, uh, I think four months after that, and can I tell you, receiving tens of thousands of dollars when all you care about is getting off, off your head is not a good thing. <laughs> I think I blew that money in about a month or a month and a half. So a year after we break up, right, my brother has come to work with me as well. And he's been in a similar situation. He's been through a messy breakup. He's himself is struggling with his mental health just as I am. And he's coping with it the exactly same way as I am. 
And I'm at this point where I think everyone is against me. I'm at this point where I'm, I'm depressed. I'm at this point where if I'm sober for too long, I start having panic attacks. I'm at this point where every single day I'm contemplating suicide. It's funny because at the time I thought that I hadn't heard from God. I thought that I would never see him. But I look back now, I can see where he was in everything. So nearly two years after we broke up, I decided I was done. I decided I tried long enough. Nobody cared anyway. I decided that I was going to end my life. So I got in my car and I went to a, like a secluded place and I numbed myself from the, pain, from, from the nerves so that I didn't back out. And I'm in this place where no one should be. And someone walks past me. Not only that, I recognize the person that walks past me. I call out to him, it's just some random guy I went to school with, right? No big connection, no way that he was meant to be there. <laughs> like there's no reason for him to be there. And he turns around, he comes back. He just speaks so much love. There's just love flowing out of his mouth. For the first time, I felt like someone cared, right? The first time I felt like I had worth in such a long time. Anyway, we talked for like 10 minutes and he left and I got in my car and I don't think I even managed to shut the door and I just had this encounter with Jesus. I've never been able to explain this bit properly, so I'm sorry, but it was like a vision, but not a vision. It was like God just downloaded how he felt about me onto me. And in, in, in an instant, I was sober. In an instant, my mind was clear. And his presence just sat in my car for what would have been a couple of hours. And I just sat there weeping, just in awe of a God that still loved me. In awe of a God that loved me despite what I had done, despite who I thought I was. Whew. The next day I called my friend who was from that other family at the church we went to who I knew had started going to a church again. And she invited me along to come and I went to Highway Ormo for the first time, the first church that I'd gone into. And I just remember that was the first time I felt welcomed in a church. It was the first time I felt accepted. It was the first time I walked into a church and I was like, these people get it. So then it was, it was still a journey from there. About three months later, I got my tonsils out. I've been struggling with getting tonsillitis very regularly. And I don't know if, if you guys, any of you have had it, but if you get your tonsils out when you're an adult, it's a two-week recovery and it's not great. <laughs> but I spent a lot of that two weeks just worshiping God and, and, and watch, watching sermons and like not even fully knowing what I'm doing, but just seeking God as, as with all I can. And then it comes time for me to go back to work and I've got a job in Wagga, so I'm driving down to Wagga. And at some point in the drive, I just, I remember I said, God, I'm all in. Whatever it is, God, I'm all in. 
and I don't know, man, God works in mysterious ways. I had no reception, pulled up YouTube, typed in what a beautiful name, listened to that for like two hours on the drive. <laughs> Just bawling my eyes out, worshipping, and it was amazing. But then see, God started to bring things to the front. God started to bring things that I needed to change, issues, habits, addictions, whatever they were. God started bringing them up to the surface and, and, and helping me deal with them, helping me get through them, right? And it came to the point where he brought my job up. It came to a point where he was showing me that I can't be planted, I can't live out my calling if I'm not planted in a church, if I'm not planted at a location. And I remember, I feel like this is the first time God actually spoke to me and he told me to, to quit my job, to move back home, to do Bible college, right? So, you know, I wrestled with that for a while, agreed, did it. We're working in Melbourne on the last contract, right? I finished up that contract, the same thing. I couldn't sleep. I was excited to start this life that God had the plan for, right? Jumped in my car. Driving back to Brisbane, on, I was just saying to Courtney today, actually, I think it was the exact same bit of road. And God spoke to me again while I was driving and he said, don't look for work for two weeks. So I wrestled with this and, and then so clearly, I just had this impression that he was saying, if you do this, you'll know that it's me. So I did it, I had the most anxious two weeks I feel like I've ever had at home, thinking I'm going to be unemployed and end up homeless and <laughs> all this stuff. But I, but I did it. I was faithful to it. And I, I came, I got back on a Sunday. Two weeks to the day on the Sunday, I'm sitting in church and I get a missed call. So after the service, I go to my car and I call the number back and it's, it's a man from another church that I've never met, I've never spoken to, didn't even know existed before this, calling to say he's got a job for me if I want it. And just, just, just by chance, he walked past my father in church and mentioned to my dad that he was looking for someone. And dad said, my son's looking for work, here's his number. Two weeks to the day. And from there, God has just built me up and built me up. Remember I received a, a, a prophetic word that I was called to youth ministry. And I really didn't want to be. <laughs> I really, <laughs> not because I don't care about the youth, but just because I feel like I'm so not qualified that, that I'm not the right person for to be ministering to youth. Right then, then I didn't, right? And I remember going to my dad and going, hey, someone's given me a word, but I don't think it's right. What do I do? And he said, ask for confirmation. Ask for God to confirm it through people. And God overwhelmingly confirmed it with everyone in my life. <laughs> it didn't matter if they were Christian or not, telling me that I was called to youth ministry or youth work or, or whatever it was in whatever way. So you know, I joined security team at youth and I joined full team. And can I tell you that I have not seen God stop using the mess from my life to minister to young people to set young people free, to bring them, just to bring them into God's presence, into a relationship with Him, to experience His love. See, God has used it all. God does 
amazing things and he moves in amazing ways, ways that you would never expect. Can I tell you that even if you had told me at the start what God was gonna do in my life, you guys can do bring communion now if you want. <laughs> if I had told you at the start, if you had told me at the start what God was gonna do in my life, there was no way I would have believed you. If you had told me at the start how good God was, there was no way I would have believed you. See, the only thing that changed my mind was experiencing the love and the presence of God. You know, I have this conviction now that that's all that evangelism is. That all that evangelism is, is loving people like Jesus does and being intentional about bringing the presence to them because only the Holy Spirit can change their heart. One more thing. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> There's power in prayer, guys. I know for a fact. that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the diligent prayers of my mother. <laughs> She's in the blue checkered dress, if anyone will show it, if anyone wants to. <laughs> uh, see, and we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't matter the mess you've had. It doesn't matter the mess that your, your brothers had, your sons had, your daughters had. It doesn't matter the mess that anyone's in. God will take that and God will use it for good, for the good of His kingdom, for the good of His people. Because I mean, if God can do it for me, <laughs> can do it for anyone. Just wanna right now, if there's anyone here who's still in the mess, if there's anyone here who God has been pursuing you, if there's anyone here who's ready to let God take your mess and use it for good, I mean, if that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to God. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to invite Him into your life. So I'm not sure how we do it here. Do we raise hands or they come around the front or? Yeah, so if that's you, if you wanna raise your hand, someone will come and talk to you after the service and see so you're worth it. God says you're worth it doesn't matter how far you've gone, doesn't matter how far you think you are. God's right there just waiting for you to say yes. Let's eat and drink together, church. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.